If you would turn to Mark chapter 5. Read from chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. Give careful attention to the holy word of God. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shekels and chains. But he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shekels in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you to, by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs. Let us enter them. And he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country. The people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had, been, who had the legions sitting there clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from the region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with the demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, this morning we're going to focus on the first 13 verses and next Lord's Day, Lord willing, we will focus on verses 14 through 20. Let us come together 
in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we are confronted once again with the tremendous power of the Christ, the mighty one of God. We ask, O Lord, that our hearts would respond to this power and have comfort that the Lord Jesus Christ is the one who is Lord of the creation and has power over all the minions of the evil one. We ask that we would find comfort in this, in this truth in our own hearts and lives. In Christ's name, amen. does not take a blind eye to realize that the church of Jesus Christ has always been persecuted by the non-Christian world. Did not our Savior tell us that the world which hated him will also hate his church? Did he not bless his elect flock in the condition of being despised and persecuted, when all kinds of evil are spoken falsely against Christ's children on Christ's account. Well, as Jesus is training and living the life of the church before his apostles, we must remember this point even in the present life of the church Amid our present culture, there are those who participate in the visible church and those in our secular culture that have a serious moral dilemma with the actions of Jesus in this particular text. Specifically, with Jesus putting the demonic legion of pigs which caused them to drown. Considering our modern culture, we should not be surprised as to the moral questions being raised against our Savior in this particular text. The so-called progressive element in the church as well as the culture have a difficult time with Jesus drowning 2,000 pigs according to the animal rights agenda. Plus, the progressive element has serious questions about Jesus' seemingly insensitivity to the livelihood of the herdsmen and their families. Jesus has just cast the income base for their daily survival into the sea to drown. Does Jesus not care about the daily needs that provide healthy families? 
Hence Jesus' action to free the man from being possessed by legion is why the herdsmen beg Jesus to leave their region. Verse 17. As you can see, the question is asked in this context as to whether Jesus is. Can we really say that Jesus, in terms of this text and what he does, can we truly say that Jesus is a wonderful person and Savior? Hence, for us to understand this event in the ministry of Jesus You must grasp the essence, the secret, the mystery of the kingdom of God in the person and work of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as Mark draws you into his narrative by the Holy Spirit. Do you want the Holy Spirit... To reveal the truth about the identity of Christ, his kingdom, his church? Or do you want some cultural agenda to pervert the eternal message of Jesus' redemption, which is truly good news for a sinful world? As we noted last week, The apostles, in fear of perishing as a storm and the waves raged upon the sea, how will you react this morning to the presence of Jesus before a terrifying, powerful, untamed, unclean spirit by the name of Legion? Will you receive the invitation of Mark's narrative to embrace Jesus by a mature and living faith? Is your heart full of the glorious and heavenly message of the gospel of God expressed in the parables of the kingdom of God so that you embrace the Jesus who has all authority over nature in the creation that even the sea and the wind obey? We're like the apostles at sea. Is your understanding of Jesus' identity and immature faith has not moved beyond him being a teacher? Back in chapter 4, verse 38, perplexed, mystified that even the sea and the wind obey him. As the message of the good news of the gospel is solidly placed in the kingdom parables, Jesus is leaving to a more dominant Gentile area around the Sea of Galilee, the eastern shore. Mark, in the providence of God, outlines the pathway in which hostility will engage the gospel as it goes into the world. 
as the gospel goes forth of the dominant of the dominant Jewish population in Galilee to the dominant regions of Gentile life in Galilee. The gospel will extend to the world by means of the seas. It will go into Gentile country in the future by boats and ships. The sea will present hostile storms, winds, and waves to the progress of the gospel. In the providence of God, this truth is vividly presented to us in this 27th chapter of the book of Acts when the apostle to the Gentiles, Paul, becomes shipwrecked at sea as he is being transferred to Rome, the center of the Gentile world at this time in history. In fact, when Paul gives his little autobiography in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul remarks that in terms of his gospel presentation to the Gentiles, he has been shipwrecked three times. 2 Corinthians 11.25 Yes, Paul, a man of mature faith, only boasts in the one who the sea, who the sea and the wind obey as the gospel went forth throughout his ministry. Well, as the evangelist, Jesus gets off the boat in the Gentile dominant area surrounding the Sea of Galilee. He is met, here comes that Greek word, Mark's word, he is met immediately with hostility from the kingdom of Satan. Keep in mind that Satan is not the last enemy to be defeated as the gospel goes forward into the world. Rather, Satan is the first enemy of the gospel. It confronts Jesus immediately as he gets off the boat. Don't miss this parallel in the structure of Mark's narrative. As Jesus' ministry begins among the Jews in the synagogue in Capernaum and meets a man with an unclean spirit, a demon back in chapter 1, verse 23. Likewise, as Jesus begins his ministry with the Gentiles, he is met immediately with a man with an unclean spirit, a demon, here in verse 2 of our text. The apostles, the church, needs to understand that as Jesus lives the life of the church before them, their chief rival is and will be the kingdom of Satan. The kingdom of Satan. 
Yes, Jesus is drilling into their heads once again that the battle is spiritual within the natural. The battle is the principalities and powers of the air. Here we have in the smallest gospel where stories can be quite brief. Mark gives a lot of ink to this particular event. It is recorded for us in 20 verses. He has already presented narratives of Jesus casting out demons. Well, if you think Jesus has authority and power to control nature, the sea is spectacular. Watch what Jesus can do with this unclean spirit possessing this particular Gentile man. In comparison to the previous exorcisms among the dominant Jewish population, you are about to witness. Who is this? Who is this? That even multiple demons possessed in a man obey. Obey. Mark's narrative is extensive, it's intensive, and it's descriptive on purpose. In verses 2 through 5, we are given quite a description. Jesus meets this man with an unclean spirit immediately as he stepped out of the boat. He lives among the tombs. The man was mad and powerful. His behavior is described as being insane by biblical scholars. Protection of the people from this man's mad actions and strength could not be maintained. He broke the shackles and chains that were used to bind him. Verses 3 through 4. There was no one who had the strength to subdue and control him. Verse 4. Also, he was known for his continual actions. <laughs> Night and day among the tombs and in the mountains. Always in a shrinking cry. In Luke's gospel, and it is even noted by Luke. That he was a person who ran around naked. In this mad condition under the control of this unclean spirit, he would cut his own flesh with sharp stones. What is interesting here is that the cutting, the flesh, was a typical practice in chaotic worship. In the ancient world, it is not unusual at all. It occurs, interestingly, if you recall the great story of Elijah and the prophets of Baal in 1 Kings 18, where the prophets themselves cut themselves in hope 
that their gods will listen. It is quite possible that the possessed man was involved in demonic worship against his will. Congregation, in the first five verses of this chapter, you are witnessing Satan's all-out assault on humans, on humans as the image of God. The demonic goal here is to overthrow and distort the image of God in man as the creative act of God himself. It is the demon that has taken over the personality of the man. However, the man sees Jesus in a distance. He runs and he falls. He fell right before him to his knees. Verse 6, face to face with Jesus the loud, shrieking, demonic voice sounds off in a violent and fierce tone. What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure, I beg, I plead you by God, do not torment me. Interestingly, different than the demon's response back in Mark Chapter 124, where the demon calls Jesus the Holy One of God. This time in chapter 5, verse 7, the demon goes beyond the messianic understanding that Jesus is the Holy One of God to designating Jesus with the status of deity. Divine origin and dignity, son of the Most High God, in which the phrase Most High God is used in the Old Testament by non Israelites to speak of the divine nature of Israel's God. So as the demon acknowledges, the divine nature of Jesus, he moves to a stunning, stunning appeal and plea. He begs for protection from eternal punishment. He does not want his eternal destination finalized now. He is fearful that Jesus is going to destroy him completely right now. So he begs for safety from this possible eternal extinction. Now watch this. Watch this. To whom does he appeal to protect him from this punishment? Are you looking at the text? Do you have the answer? Who alone could possibly save him from eternal punishment at this moment? Remember, we are right now at the intensity 
of the cosmic spiritual confrontation between Jesus and Satan. The only spiritual supernatural being who could protect the demon from eternal punishment at this time is God himself. And that is exactly who he appeals to in verse 7. Are you shocked? (laughs) The demon is going to appeal to God to protect himself from Jesus' possible torment. Is there any question in your minds this morning who has superior supernatural power and authority over all things? The demon cannot appeal to his lying father, Satan himself, to prevent this torment. Satan neither has the power, nor the superiority, nor the authority. Jesus not only has the power and authority over the hostility of nature, but he has the power and authority over the hostility of Satan and his companions. And if you have any question about this, as you are a person created in the image of God, if you have any question whether we now live in the era of the kingdom of God that has arrived in which Jesus conquers Satan and preserves your image in God's person to be conformed to the image of God, then please have ears and listen closely. Jesus is about to act. About to act. You are witnessing a confrontation of conflicting supernatural powers. Jesus delivers an imperative command of superior supernatural authority against this hostile, rebellious, created supernatural being the unclean spirit within the man come out come out on this occasion Jesus even asks his name the demon replies legion because we are many how many Two thousand. Two thousand. Now you are getting the picture of how extensive and intensive was the demon who possessed this Gentile man. Why shackles and chains could not contain him. Why the man acted so insane every day among the tombs of the dead and madly cut his flesh in the worship of Satan. 
Jesus is about to demonstrate without a doubt that the true sovereign of heaven and earth has dominion and authority even in Gentile country. That even there, Satan's purpose to destroy the creation and humans is subservient to the Lord of creation, Jesus Christ. His gospel and his kingdom. His kingdom has come and his will, his will be done. Legion is in fear of Jesus. They know who he is. Is Jesus going to send Legion to their final eternal judgment of extinction in an act of torment? Not at all. Legion begs Jesus not to send them out of the country. Verse 10, as Legion sees the herd of pigs on the hills, sees the herd of pigs on the hillside, they beg Jesus to send them to the pigs. Jesus complies. And the herd rushes down the hillside into the sea and they drown. In terms of the ritual of uncleanliness in the history of Israel and Revelation, Jewish Jesus' action executes his judgment upon an unclean spirit. Legion hanging around unclean tombs. And now Legion is cast into an unclean animal. Here is a powerful statement of the presence of the authority, dominion, and power of the Most High God in the person of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I ask you, are you embracing the flow of Mark's narrative and the proclamation of the gospel in the providence of the events before you, Jesus saves his apostles at sea from perishing, from drowning at sea. He saves the very foundation of his church. Indeed, his authority and power are, are, are clearly on display. He is the one who the wind and the sea obey. Now presently before you in our text, we can raise the issue. Who is this that even the demons obey? It is the same Jesus. In this case, Legion, a prime enemy of the gospel and the kingdom of God, will not be saved from perishing. But they will fall subject 
to their own fear and the hostility of the sea. They will be cast into the sea and they will drown. You see the contrast in terms of the flow of the narrative, don't you, congregation? The disciples are saved from perishing in the sea by Jesus Christ, but Satan and his minions are perishing in the sea. They drown. Here's the profound difference in contrast of the two supernatural kingdoms registering before your eyes and in your ears. Where is your heart this morning? How are you doing? with the spiritual battles in your life? Are you placing them completely upon your Savior? He is there. Believe. Have faith in his power to conquer Satan and his companions. Do you not believe that the Son of God has come to, to into the cosmos? That the Son of God has come to construct and save his church? That the Lord Jesus Christ has come to save your life? The government of his eternal and exalted kingdom is on his shoulders. Do you believe that? How marvelous and precious is his government to you. Or are you fixated on a government that is in this world? Do you know him, Christ, as a citizen, citizen of the heavenly kingdom that will never cease? Is that your heart? Do you know him by the following names in your own spiritual walk? Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Let's pray.
our Lord and our God. The Christ has come. His kingdom has been inaugurated. Let not our hearts, let not our lives sit back and relax. Let us see that we are part of a powerful, a powerful Christ who is God himself in a kingdom in which our identity can never be cast away. Give us the strength each day to know Christ as Counselor, God, Father, Prince of Peace. In his name will we see the victory over Satan. In Christ's name, amen.